This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. Well, good morning. It's good to be with all of you this morning. I was preached at the 8 a.m. as well, and I came in a little early just to make sure everything was ready, and the lector was, was sitting over here in the choir loft getting ready to do the reading from 1 Kings. We started joking, and we said, when you look at a list of the readings for the day, if we're honest, that's the one you say, I hope my name's not assigned to. <laughs> it's one filled with difficult-to-pronounce names and places. I told him, just say it with authority. None of us really know how it's pronounced anyway, so just say it like you know. But I could say the same thing about the gospel reading this morning. How do we preach this Jesus? How do we come to understand this Jesus in Luke who has set his face for Jerusalem and seems to be singularly focused, not even allowing his followers to bury their dead? or to say farewell to family. How do we understand this? Where is the loving and forgiving Jesus, the one who welcomes the little children and invites everyone to the table? Or if we can't have a, a passage about love this morning, how about a passage on giving so that I can find a way to talk about Commitment Sunday and weave that into my message this morning. I can talk about all of the amazing things that are being done here at St. David's. So I have a com confession to make before I start. I want to preach this morning and I want to find a way to put Jesus squarely back into the love box, back where things are easier and less challenging, where I can say goodbye to family and friends and come to Jesus on my own terms, on my own timeline and on my own schedule where I can stand at a pulpit and in a building where I perform funerals and sit with you as you go through loss and understand this Jesus. I'll get to the kingdom when I'm ready and when I'm prepared, when I finish my to-do list and crossed off all of my tasks. I wanna talk my way, or dare I say our way, into a faith and a life that is certain, one that's clear-cut and has a sense of control, one that's definable and understandable and easy to come to terms with. But I have to remind myself and hopefully all of you this morning that as Anglicans, we are a people who cling to a both-and view of the world. We're a people who can be Protestant and Catholic. We can uphold and we can sit in mystery, in contradiction, and even in disagreements. We're a people who were built for nuance, built for disagreement and for broad umbrellas that welcome multiple ways of thinking and approaching and understanding God and the world. We can proclaim a Jesus who is grace-filled and loving and forgiving, and we can proclaim a Jesus who has a clear sense of urgency and expectation about how we behave. A Jesus who asks for our relationship with God to be primary and to come first. A Jesus who understands the importance of Jerusalem, the importance of the cross and the resurrection and the passion. So the question this morning is, 
Do we try and shape and preach Jesus so that Jesus fits our lives and our expectations? Or do we let God incarnate overrule our plans and shape our lives? Because we can try all we want to fit God into a box of our own making. We can try all we want to imagine that our lives are under our control, that we are the masters of our own universe. But all it takes is a pandemic, a mass shooting, a market crash or a recession, a death or a sickness, or even a Supreme Court ruling to remind us that we were never in control in the first place and that our sense of control is nothing more than an illusion. I read a quote this week in a commentary as I was preparing that I want to share. And I'll quote directly, perhaps that's the promise of the gospel. Not that we can be in control, or even that God is in control, but rather that God in Jesus joins us in our out of controlness, holds on to us, and brings us to the other side. Jesus joins us in our out of controlness, holds on to us, and brings us to the other side. Jesus joins us in the uncertainty and the mystery of the both and, taking on our chaotic existence as God incarnate and joining us in the mess and the conflict to show us that nothing, no matter what happens, can separate us from the love of God, reminding us that we don't have to have life all figured out. Our lives don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect for the kingdom to break in and for our lives to be changed. We can be imperfect and distracted and falling short of expectations, and we can have our face set on God, squarely in the kingdom, resting in the arms of Jesus. Both things can be true. The timing may never be perfect. We may never feel fully ready or prepared. But after all, this is a movement of faith. We don't have to be ready, and we are fully welcomed and received. Jesus can be demanding of our time, our energy, our passion, and our commitment. And Jesus can be loving, grace-filled, and forgiving at the same time. It's not a question of one or the other. It's both and. I want to share another quote. This one is from Bishop Curry, who on Friday shared his own both and in response to the Supreme Court's decision. And I'll quote him directly. We as a church have tried carefully to be responsive both to the moral value of women having the right to determine their health care choices, as well as the moral value of all life. Today's decision institutionalizes inequality because women with access to resources will be able to exercise their moral judgment in ways that women without the same resources will not. This is a pivotal day for our nation, and I acknowledge the pain, fear, and hurt 
that so many feel right now. As a church, we stand with those who will feel the effects of this decision and will so in the weeks, months, and years to come. We can respect the moral value of all life and support women's rights to make their own healthcare choices. And we can speak out and fight against any law that leads to inequality and suffering. We can be peaceful, loving, and respectful. And we can speak out and fight for equal rights and equality. We can acknowledge that God's kingdom is here today, right now. And we can know that there is still much work left to do in the world until all of God's children have equal rights and access to care and basic needs. Perhaps more personally for me today, some of you this morning will think that I have said too much. And some of you will think that I have said too little. And we can still love and respect each other. And we can have difficult conversations together. As clergy, we can meet with you and offer pastoral care and holy friendship and support, no matter where your political or social views may fall. I hope I can speak on behalf of all of the ordained when I say we didn't go to seminary and go through the ordination process to go to vestry meetings and to go to budget meetings and <laughs> to do administration. We did it because we want to be with you in times of joy, in times of celebration, in times of pain, in times of sorrow and grief and fear. We want to sit with you and be with you we want to hear where you are and how you feel and what drives and motivates you. And we want to walk this journey with you. It's why we did this. We are here no matter how or why you may be suffering or upset or hurt. We can love each other and worship together. We can share blood and wine and body and bread at the altar and we can disagree and have holy and difficult conversations. We don't belong in a single issue box, and frankly, neither does Jesus. It oversimplifies and reduces God and the world into one issue, and it denies the complexities and the struggles of life. As much as we might want God to rescue us from the trials and the complications of life, God became incarnate in Jesus to take on and to share our struggles and our strife, to join us in our humanity. And we will fail. We will fall short and we will suffer. But then we must remember that the Jesus we encounter in today's reading, a Jesus that is resolute, demanding, and singularly focused, is also that same Jesus who welcomes the children, who forgives the thief on the cross, who seeks the lost and tends the broken, who values mercy over law, and who proclaims a radical and a revolutionary love and grace and forgiveness. We can hold the tension. We can live in a world that is both and. Because in the end, it is incarnational. 
It's about being in relationship with God and with each other. It isn't about control. It isn't about answers or even one way of living or being. It's complex. It's mysterious. It's challenging. And it's difficult. But if it isn't rooted and singularly focused in the love of God and neighbor, then it is lost. Amen. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.